Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, in, in the summer, I'm going to tell you a story from a couple years ago, pre-COVID. Um, in the summer of 2019, um, I went to Uganda. Um, I went to Uganda to, it, it was, uh, I've been there multiple times, my third trip over. Um, and I went to train pastors um, and to help plant a church in a village called Ochapa. Um, so one of the afternoons, one of the things we did as we were planting this church is we would just go out and share um, the gospel in the village. And so one afternoon, I was walking around with my student, Francis was his name. We also had a translator with us, and we were going out through the village to share um, the gospel. And I, the reason that we had a translator in addition to Francis is because he was from another part of the country. He didn't speak the language of, of that village, and so he was just kind of there to observe what was going on. So we went and we shared with this family, and at the end of sharing, it turned out they were already Christians, and they had been sort of waiting to make sure that the thing that we shared was actually true. Um, And after we shared, um, they said to my translator, they pointed across the street, and this woman said, go there. There's an old man over there, and he's very sick, and he needs to hear this message. And so we went, so we went across the street and we found this man's skin and bones too frail to even stand living in this squalid little room six by six feet square. And he sat um, shirtless on his bed, completely emaciated from lack of nutrition. And when my translator begins to talk to him, begins to ask, can we share with you the story of Jesus? It became very clear that he did not know what she was talking about. Um, because he wasn't from that community either, and he didn't speak the language that she was speaking. Um, And so he makes that clear to us, and Francis recognizes the language this man is talking. He says, oh, this man's talking Lugandan. I know Lugandan. That's not my language, but I know Lugandan. And so they start talking in Lugandan, and sort of the first miracle of the day was that Francis, who was just there to observe, ended up being the person who could share the gospel um, with this man Um, His name was Febu, still is um, his name. Um, And so he had this language in in common. And so Febu said, "Can can I share my story with you? And so we said, sure. And he begins to tell us that he is very sick. It turns out he was um, HIV positive. Um, And he asked if we would be willing to give him money um, to help care for him. Um, And we said, well, we don't we don't really have any, any money to give you, but we'd like to tell you about Jesus. And he said, well, I'm a Muslim. A Muslim. And we said, okay, we'd like to tell you about um, Jesus. Um, and so as we continued in, in conversation um, with him, it became clear that really he was just interested in us providing money for him. But eventually, I, I sort of just was overwhelmed by the Spirit of God, and I looked him square in the eyes, and I said, you are going to die, and the God of Muhammad will not save you, and your good works will not save you. Your own religion tells you this. You need Jesus, and without the help of Francis, he understood 
And I don't know how that happened. That was the second sort of miracle of the day. And I told him, I said, God may heal you, but one day you are going uh, to die. And you're going to stand before God, your judge, and your only hope is Jesus. And so we continued to sort of talk with him and to, and to share with him. And then, and then finally he just said, I get it. I want to believe in Jesus. And so we were just like overjoyed. And so we, we like, are you sure? So we make sure that he understands sort of the commitment that, um, that is before him. And he says, I get it. And so we pray with him that he would accept Christ. And then we, we lay hands on him and we pray that he would be healed from HIV. And, and we, re- we invited him to come to this revival meeting that was happening um, that evening. And we kind of thought, I don't know if he's going to be able to make it. He's very frail. He probably can't make it up there. But his neighbor who had been eavesdropping at the door the whole time, pokes her head in at this point and says, I'll take him. I'll make sure um, that he gets there. And so he came and he sat there on the front row listening as the music was being played in preparation for the service. And all of a sudden, he just begins to have convulsions and he begins to, to vomit. And, and I'm behind the stage and I'm seeing this happen. And I'm like, what is going on? The ushers rush over to his aid and they take him inside the church. And I turn to my friend, my pastor friend, Peter, and I say, what is happening? He goes, well, he's a witch doctor. And he just trusted in Jesus. Demons got to get out somehow. And I was like, okay. And so they're inside and these pastors gather around him to pray over him and cast these demons out while I'm outside preaching this revival message. And so on, on Saturday, um, Pastor Peter and I go and we visit him in his home and We're there to explain to him that all of the things, the relics that he used in his sort of role as a witch doctor, he needed to get rid of. And so we explain that to him and he says, take them, take them, go. And so we begin to gather up these things and and Peter is just sort of graciously cleaning this man's house as we go and we gather together all of these relics, these these herbs and and shells and and decapitated bird heads and wands and all of these things. And we take them outside and we put them in a pile to burn them. And I go in to say to Fabu, hey, why don't you come outside while we burn these? And he's sitting on his bed and he's just repeating, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And so I invited him out and he comes out and we, we burn the relics, and we, and we pray with him. And, and then the next day, he joins us for the opening of this new church where he gives testimony to the work of God in his life. And this whole community begins to give glory to God for what he has done. And this isn't an, an isolated occurrence either. It's actually just a few months earlier from that. I'd seen the Lord do something very similar and just as powerful in the life of a college student from Anne Arundel Community College while I sat in my office at Annapolis EP. And I, and I tell you those things because I think they bear similarity to the story that we're going to read this morning. But I think one of the problems we have when we come to Scripture is that many of us just don't believe that these sorts of things happen anymore. And so I want to make it clear that Jesus is definitely still setting people free. And so let me read for us from Luke chapter 13 of, of the ministry of Jesus. So this is Luke 13, starting in verse 10. It says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, 
And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his, his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. So let's just consider the scene here. It's the Sabbath, and Jesus is in the synagogue, an appropriate place to be um, on the Sabbath, and we're told that he is teaching there. But unlike other places in the book of Luke even, it doesn't tell us what synagogue, like what city he's in, we don't know. It doesn't tell us what he's teaching on, we have no idea. None of that matters in the story. Luke tells you what matters in the story because he uses this word. He says, behold, behold, look over there, look. There's a woman who's had a disabling spirit for 18 years and she was there in the synagogue um, as well. And it's important to note, She wasn't there looking for a miracle. She wasn't there even complaining. She was just there listening to Jesus teach just like everyone else was. She was just doing her Sabbath thing. You know, the the Sabbath thing. It's you go to the synagogue because it's Sabbath and that's what you do on the Sabbath. And you you hear something read and you, you know, you hear somebody teach something. Maybe you pray a little bit. Maybe you sing a little and boom, done, Sabbath, right? You go home. Right? It's, it's similar to what many people have, the, sort of their church thing, right? their Sunday thing. So you come here to this gathering and you, and you hear something read and you hear something preached and you pray something and you sing something, boom, done, church, go home. Right? And, and this is what is happening, but Jesus has a different vision of Sabbath. He has a different vision for, for well, for these gatherings um, as well. He's not all that interested in the way that you have always done things or the way you think you ought to do things. It's not really his concern. Jesus wants to fulfill the Sabbath. Or maybe another way to put it, Jesus wants to fully fill the Sabbath. And so I want to show you three ways that Jesus fills Sabbath, three things he fills it with, and not just Sabbath, but I'm convinced that Jesus wants to fill every aspect of your life with these three things, if we would just let him. First, Jesus fills the Sabbath with freedom. That's what we see here, right? Jesus heals a woman, a woman who's been ailing for 18 years. She's all hunched over. She can't straighten herself up, and he heals her, right? At least that's, that's how we read this story. That's how the... Um, the ruler of the synagogue thought about the story. It may even be the way that woman thought about the story, but the reality is Jesus never talks about healing in this story. Jesus is talking about freedom, 
I mean, we see, right, example after example in Scripture of Jesus healing people. There's a lot of examples of of Jesus healing people on the Sabbath. We read one this morning. There's one in the next chapter all over the place. Jesus is healing people on the Sabbath. Here's what none of those do. None of those use the word freed. This passage, Jesus doesn't talk about healing. He talks about freedom. He is setting this woman free. Jesus knows what's really going on here. He knows this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, it's against authorities, it's against cosmic powers over, over the present darkness, it's against spiritual forces that are in evil and, and that are of evil in the heavenly places. That's what Jesus knows. So he looks out and it's not flesh and blood to him. This is spiritual. And so he frees her from bondage. And he fills her Sabbath with freedom. That's what Sabbath is is all about. The biblical concept of Sabbath is, is inextricably bound up in the idea of freedom. And so think about the Ten Commandments. Fourth command, right? Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And if I were to ask you, hey, why do we do that? Why did God give us that command? You would probably say, well, it's because that's what he did in creation, right? In creation, six days he created, the seventh day he rested, and so he tells us, hey, do the same thing. Work for six days and then rest on the seventh day. And that's right, that's exactly what the book of Exodus says. But the Ten Commandments are actually given to us in two different places in Scripture. The other place they're given is in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And if we look at Deuteronomy chapter 5, we see a very different vision as to why we take the Sabbath. So let me just read for us from Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 12. It says this, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And then he's about, here's the reasoning. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why did God command to keep the Sabbath day? Because they had been set free from bondage. The Sabbath is about freedom. When they were in slavery, when you're in slavery, there's no rest. You work every day. There's no stopping. But he says, you're free. You're free now. You can stop. You can rest. You can observe the Sabbath. And and Christian, the same is true for you. The same is true for me. We have been set free by the work of Jesus. We were in bondage to Satan and to sin before that. Before we were set free, we were in bondage. And Jesus comes in and he sets us free. So now we can rest Now we can observe the Sabbath. We are no longer in bondage to sin and Satan. We are the children of God. Jesus himself has set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are really free. And all those who are in Christ have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? But but this woman, this 
This dear woman in this passage, she's been living in bondage for 18 years. And she keeps showing up at the synagogue. To her, this is all, it was all just flesh and blood. To the, the ruler of the synagogue, it was all just flesh and blood. And if it's all just flesh and blood, he's right. Come back tomorrow. You could come back tomorrow and get healed if it's all just flesh and blood. But Jesus says, no, I won't have it. This person cannot suffer a single moment more under the oppression of Satan. So he fills her Sabbath with freedom, but, but not just freedom. Right, right, Jesus fills the Sabbath with two other things as well. He fills the Sabbath with freedom, glory, and joy. These are the, the twin responses to God's providential work in our lives, joy and, and glory. Truly, our joy, right, and his glory are the outcomes of experiencing freedom, Right, so what happens in our passage as soon as she's set free, verse 13 tells us she glorified God. Or if we look at the, the end of the passage in, in verse 17, it says, as he said these things, his adversaries were put to shame, but all the people rejoiced at all of the glorious things that Jesus had done. These two things, they happen in, in concert here. They rejoice at the glorious things that Jesus has done. So Jesus fills the Sabbath with glory and, and, and with joy. If Sabbath is about freedom, as, as Deuteronomy seems to indicate, then it would make sense that we would respond with glory and joy. Think about the Israelites. This is what the Israelites do. They cross the Red Sea. They cross out of, out of slavery, out of bondage in, in Egypt. And you know what the first thing they do is? They just erupt in joyous song. Moses just says, we're going we're to sing. Moses just erupts in this joyous song, and he begins to lead them. And here's what he says. He says, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds. And then, and then Miriam comes, and she, she grabs the tambourine, and she starts dancing and singing. And she says, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. When, when we are set free, joy fills our heart so that we would give glory over to God. When the Lord sets you free, truly free, you experience a joy that is unexplainable. And you begin to tell people of all of God's glory. So, so the prophet Isaiah, in, in chapter 58 of, of Isaiah, he begins to rebuke the people because they haven't treated the Sabbath rightly. And here's what he says. He says, turn away from your selfish pursuits on the Sabbath and call the Sabbath joyful. The holy day of the Lord, glorious. The, the Old Testament vision of Sabbath is a day of freedom and joy and glory, and it's being fulfilled now in Jesus as he loosens the bonds of Satan on this woman and just fills the Sabbath fills it with freedom, fills it with joy, fills it with glory. And it, it reminds me of a, of a Sunday, not too long after this woman um, was freed, a day that actually the church all around the world is remembering today, a day where 3,000 people 
were set free from bondage. The day of Pentecost, the day that right now, all around our world, we are remembering when the Spirit of God let loose in the people of God for the glory of God. The day the church was founded was a day of glory and joy and freedom because the Spirit was at work and where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. And when we step into the freedom that the Spirit brings, we then, our Sabbaths, our Sundays, our every days will be filled with joy and with glory as well. And so I, I think about my friend Febu in Ochapa a lot. I, I keep sort of tabs on him through some friends that I, that I have there and sort of understand what's going on in his life. And I, and I think that maybe one of the ways to tell this story is to let you know that he's no longer HIV positive. The Lord has, has healed him. But, but here's the thing. That's not actually the news. Like, that's cool. But that's not the news. The news is that this man was set free from bondage to Satan. And this being healed from HIV, hey, that's just the the evidence of God's incredible work in his life. But what matters is this man was set free from bondage to Satan. Febu found freedom in Jesus. He's now a leader in this church in Ochapa. His testimony is constantly, every single day, he walks through the town and everybody knows, here's Febu, he's going to the church so he can read his Bible, so he can spend time in prayer, a testimony to the glory of God. Why does he do that every day? Because he has found the joy of living in relationship with Jesus. Freedom, joy, Glory, these are the evidences of a relationship with Jesus. And so, what about you? Are you walking in the freedom that was won for you on the cross of Christ? This morning, you made a decision. You decided to come here. You decided to log in to a live stream. My question is, why? Why did you do that? Did you do that because it's Sunday and that's what you do? You sing some songs, you pray some prayers, you hear a sermon, boom, church, done. Or are you here because you want to step into yet another experience of the freedom and the joy and the glory that is found in Jesus? Because here's... Here's what I believe. I believe that for many of you, there are things in your life that are holding you in bondage. And they have been holding you in bondage for, for years. There's, there's sins, there's, there are lies, there are fears, there are doubts. And maybe they've been just holding you for years. Maybe your own body is bearing the evidence to that bondage and you've just been going through the motions. Listen, I know that life. I have lived that life and I just want to cross of Christ. He has won the victory over Satan. So if you are in bondage, you are in bondage to a defeated master. You just, just turn to Jesus by faith. Claim the victory that he has won for you. Give glory to his name as you step into the joy of freedom. Right? And some of you some of you have trusted Christ already, but, but you've done what, what Paul talks about. 
You've trusted, but now you've submitted again to the yoke of slavery. Having begun by the Spirit, you now are trying to be perfected by the flesh. Maybe you've created for yourself. Maybe you've created this for others as well, this sort of legalistic code of conduct, and you are judging yourself. Those are just footholds for Satan, and if he gets in, he will devastate your life. And so today, today becomes a day that we can say, I, I'm going to submit my life to the Spirit anew because I want to walk in the freedom that God has given to me. And so, so I'm just going to pray for us. And as I do, um, I would invite you to consider that. Consider, is there bondage in my life? And if there is, to, even today, to give that over. Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, search our hearts. Lord, reveal to us the ways that we are living in bondage. Lord, what are the lies that we are believing? Show them to us. Lord, what are the sins that we are clinging to? Show them to us. Lord, what are the the fears that we are controlled by? Would you show them to us? Lord, in what ways are, are our physical ailments testifying to spiritual oppression? Lord, Lord, show that to us. Because, Lord, we want to be free. And so, Lord, we, we release our hold on these things. Lord, we pray that the chains of oppression would fall. Lord, we declare that you have won the victory, that you have set us free. So Lord, help us. Help us to walk in the freedom that you have won for us. Lord, fill us anew with your spirit even now because your spirit brings freedom. Lord, thank you. Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you for the joy that comes with freedom. And Lord, we praise you as the all-glorious God. Lord, we give all glory to you for you have triumphed gloriously. It's in your name we pray. Amen.